Welcome, everybody, to Goliath Cybersecurity's Cyber Insanity, our podcast where we bring content we think is relevant for today and uh, where we bring in guests. We have a mystery guest today, so stay tuned. We'll we'll introduce him shortly. But but Angela, you might be wondering, my 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 steadfast co co-host. Uh, what is this shirt? Do you know what this shirt is? Uh, I was gonna say it was the the guy from oh the guy the three singing uh, squirrels. Oh, the Alvin and the Chipmunks. The Chipmunks. Excuse me. No. Okay. It is it is one of Texas's biggest biggest things. Their export. This is Bucky's. Bucky's is a Guinness World Record holder for being the world's largest convenience store. And it's taking North America by storm. First is starting out in the South. But there's one thing about this that I wanted to point out. It's based in Houston, Texas. Just outside of. But everything's big in Texas. What other big thing do you know in Texas uh, there's this thing called uh, what? What did uh, General Zog want to be asked to? I think it was Houston. Bring me to Houston, Houston. <laughs> right? Well, where, where, but what in Houston does <laughs> does does ring does it, a bell to you outside of oil and gas? Does it begin with an N and end with an A? You're you're thinking in the stars now, okay? Yeah. Uh, does it have an A and an S in the middle? It does. NASA, right? Big, 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 big space center. And so what better to understand uh, just an interesting mindset of, of a CISO than somebody who has, I'd say, gobs of resources, lots of resources to bear and budget then somebody who's probably been in the business for a while and has probably worked in a in an agency such as NASA, for example. For example. So let me tee up my guest, if you will. With us is a man whose name I think astronauts are jealous of because it just screams astronaut. <laughs> Chuck Layton, right? I mean, it I could see Lieutenant Colonel or Colonel Chuck Layton. I mean, that that has a ring to it, right? But here is a man who has been in NASA as a CISO, in uh, the Department of Justice with two hats, CIO and CISO, uh, but then did a transition. And, and the transition is now in a community college, Alvin Community College. And Alvin Community College, let me give a shameless plug here, is a is a public community college in Alvin, Texas area. And it provides educational opportunities in the workforce training, academics, technical fields, adult basic education and personal development, everything that you need to get you pointed in the right direction for a career and a path without, without paying the gobs and gobs of money of private institutions, right? Community colleges, to me, growing up, always seemed to be the best value. Um, With that, however, go. changes in budget, resources, and and how to do things differently, right? Wait, Andrew, wait, you, you're telling me he has less of a budget than he had at NASA? 
So I'm going to I'm, I'm going to steal some I'm going to steal something from you, Angela, because I think you named this correctly. Deep space and deep pockets to office space and hot pockets. Right. <laughs> it's a journey of cosmic proportions. How does a man who has such large budgets, large teams in 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 many different places, find himself in in a community minded uh, mindset? And and what really boggles me, how does he get this stuff done? So Chuck, welcome to the program. And <laughs> I tee this up because I have a question for you. All right. And and um, I wanted to I I wanted to first of all ask if you can just kind of give us a, a a day in the life of your career as far as you've done it all. From a from a CISA's perspective, can you just kind of give us a synopsis of of a little bit of what you've done and 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 where you've gone? So what's interesting about uh, how I started out is uh, once I got into the computer field and uh, with DOJ, I also uh, ran a facility for the Bureau of Prisons in uh, North Carolina, and what that did was uh, mo most CISOs are trying to guard against. The bad guys. Well, I had the bad guys, and the courts order the courts ordered me to allow them to use computers and to send email oh. and do all these other things inside of that. So I had to figure out how to do that safely and not mm -hmm. let them take over. So when we talk about protecting our systems and everything, mm -hmm. it, it's I don't think it's clear in any of the bios that I put up or anything that lets you know that all the bad guys were attacking me every day, trying to get out into the real world, to the internet. So it was always interesting. And then when I uh, <clears throat> moved down to NASA, uh, that was interesting because uh, I expected things to be um, a little different. I mean, everybody has the ooh and awe factor of NASA and what's going on inside of there. Uh, I kind of figured something was different when they interviewed me when the last space shuttles shot up. And... Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was selected for the position when that space shuttle came back down. Uh, so uh, I was like, hey, aren't you guys going to be working on the launch and all? And uh, NASA is very large. Yes. <laughs> a lot of moving parts and pieces and uh, those kind of things to get into there. So while I was at NASA, again, <clears throat> when we talk about facing the bad guys, we let the bad guys in. So the Russians and all of those types of organizations were on site. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things I had to guard, <laughs> one of the things I had to guard against was rogue um, WAPs or wireless access points all around where people would try to put those up or, or try to uh, gain access to things. And, uh, and then you have the astronaut that wants to tweet from outer space. And uh, this is how do you do that and make sure that the uh, space shuttle is still secure and all of those kind of things and uh, watching those those events. But typically when a launch takes off, our mm -hmm. uh, malicious traffic picks up with people trying to break in. And uh, oh. uh, immediate, oh. immediately we had to, uh, since we hadn't had a, a real launch in a long time, uh, we had to put in different security pieces because we also want the public to be able to stream the uh events that are taking place with new technology and stuff of that nature, but we also had to work with that. So uh, there we go from there. Shortly after that, 
I would say that uh, I had a lot of experience at that particular point in time, but the government and the American taxpayer paid a lot of money to train me over the years uh, in that. So I, I'm I'm definitely committed to a life of service. And so I felt the need to be able to give back to that. And I needed to find a place to go that I could fit in and still grow things in a uh, in a nice manner. And uh, the community college space is where I uh, have landed and a uh, lot of challenges. Uh, have to figure out how to do things differently uh, and with tight budgets uh, and make the best of those. So here I am. I have a question, actually. Okay. Chuck, talk, talk to me about the uh, the differences you saw between securing, you know, that you, you went from securing de prisons where, you, where you're basically securing people from the point of view of not allowing them to actively, you know, get out to various places to securing, you know, NASA where you're both controlling the the details and technicalities and the, and the security from both foreign nationals and, and, you know, and from getting out to a community college, which from my experience is colleges tend to want to have access to everything at all times and no restrictions. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. Cause I, I'm, I'm fascinated by your juxtaposition <laughs> in my uh, thought process. <laughs> so, so one of the things that I, I, I got heavily involved in since I've uh, been building security programs um, for the government for a number of years was how do you how do you let students work on computers and do stuff and they're they're in a class called what I call the happy clickers it doesn't matter what it is they're going to click on it no matter what how, how do I protect right. that and so what what I typically do is look at uh, uh, what, I'll, I'll give you an example for when I when I was in uh, North Carolina for uh, DOJ. Uh, I partnered up with a local K-12 school and also NC State University. And what was interesting about that was I used to fix college computers or college kids' computers for them because they would inevitably get a virus in about 30 minutes after turning <laughs> one on. And, I'm uh, shocked. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so that's where I developed the... Um, how would you say the uh, forte of I should I don't want a user to be able to click on something that takes down my whole organization. <clears throat> so when we look at basically and we look at the, all the security that goes around that, what what actually has to take place and what pieces need to be in place to give you a high percentile of protection? You'll never guard against everything. Nobody can afford that. No matter what company you're you're with. Uh, even Amazon can't afford to have 100% uh, security-minded pieces. Otherwise, the organization couldn't flow. So uh, when you look at some of those kind of things in there, you got to figure out how, how it all works and why it worked that way. But if you go back and you look at the security procedures over the years, not much has changed. Okay, the devices have, how we do it have changed. But as far as the basic stuff to protect our, our ourselves, which is cyber hygiene, patching and those kind of things. And mo most break-ins have been because of that. And uh, that creates uh, a, a, a real big problem for most people uh, 
but figuring out how to do all of that. So uh, it's a tough place to be. And how do you work around it? Well, the first thing you, you need to do is develop staff. So when you talk about a, a CISO or a CIO role, one of the most important pieces there are the people that work for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I got behind early in life is I was growing a very young team of professionals. Some had very little experience. Some had a little more experience. And they, they all were in different places in the world. So how do you make that become a high-performance team? And how do you, how do you make that where... Um, people have an opportunity to grow and move on if that's what they so desire and choose. And that was one of the things that was very difficult for me to initially figure out because as a young person coming up in the world and and being in a supervisory position, and at the time uh, in Butner, North Carolina at the Federal Medical Center there, um, that was the largest site outside of Washington, D.C. in the Bureau of Prisons and part of DOJ. So how do you work that and make everybody happy and make everything work? So those roles are political roles. Mm-hmm. So it's about pleasing people and keeping people secure and how you give that message to them. But the most important piece was taking the staff. I spent a lot of time with my staff at their job site, not in my office. And why, why is that important? That's because I'm on their, their turf. They're not on my turf. And most people are more uh, easily communicate better when they're comfortable in their surrounding. But what makes that unique is I didn't talk about work. I talked about people, family lives, hey, what's going on, and these types of things to develop those relationships. And uh, as I developed those relationships, you know, I took someone out to lunch at least once a week uh, somewhere just to get their point of view and how things are going, uh, which is important. They need that opportunity to be with you because if you ever notice um, a a CISO when he walks into an organization, and I've walked in many of the uh, areas here in Houston, and the CISOs don't really know a lot about their staff. And so there's a disconnect there. And see, I, I want to have my staff have ownership in what I'm doing because they're helping me and my career grow. I need to be able to do that for them and be willing to let them go somewhere else if that's their choice. And that's that's a unique piece because most people want to hold on to their best people. I want everybody to flourish and move out and find their their place in the world. We only go through this once in life, so you need to make the best of it and uh, uh, make lifelong friends. Most of the people that have worked with me, I'm still friends with today, and uh, we keep track of each other through different organizations. Even some of the vendors I used at uh, in North Carolina, uh, some of them were from like England, and uh, we still check in on each other all the time, you know, do the happy birthday wishes and all those kind of things. So developing those relationships is very important, but it gets down to the point that you know your staff well enough you know when there's a real problem or they need something and you may have to make an exception to help them get where they're at. But So what did that actually do for me? I offered free certification classes for all my staff. Hmm. Guess what? Nice. 
guess what? Every single one of them were taking certification after certification. Now, initially, I didn't pay for any exams. I let them pay it that way that they were trying to do it. And it wasn't just kind of like a, um, I hate to say it this way, but a government program where everybody just takes it and uh, they don't really uh, follow right. through with it. I had four of my staff go actually back to college to get degrees. And I'll, and I'll explain that for just a minute. If you ever look at an advertisement for an IT specialist or a security specialist or something like that, typically they want like five or six years experience. There's no really entry level positions and no, they no. want these four year degrees or a master's or a PhD. So you're cutting out a right. group, you're cutting out a group of people that uh, when I look at hiring someone, I'm looking at hiring them based on behavior. And uh, I want people that are naturally curious in the security field, especially if you're going to work in incident response or something like that. I need mm -hmm. you to, to uh, develop that and let me know when you think something's wrong. Let's look at it a little further. But in building those relationships, educating your staff, bringing them up, you you undeniably create this loyalty situation, not just for you, but for the organization that everybody is moving forward in a very fast pace. And the way you reward people are, is I was able to give either uh, cash award, time off awards, or something like that for those people that, that were driving at different speeds. And I look at my staff as we have, hey, the guy that's just the average employee that just wants to come in, do his eight and go home. You have shooting stars, those guys that find something that interests them like AI mm -hmm. and they'll take off and they'll develop that all on their own. You don't get in their way, you let them go and then you help guide them where they need to do. I call it the bumper system. You know, here's the bumpers, here's, here's where you go. And I just got to keep you inside those bumper boats uh, as you're going down there. Right. But you, but uniquely as a supervisor and 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 a CISO, I have to be able to hold them by the belt loop. They may not realize that I'm not going to let them fail, because that's something you have to teach them. If right. your staff are afraid to fail, you have a complacent department, and guess what? You're not going to grow. Nobody's looking out after the candy store. Nobody's wow. watching for anything. They're just doing their little piece of the world and going on. I want more than that. I want them to have the ownership of it. I want them to feel that no matter what happens to them, that I'm going to have their back and I'll take the bl blunt of anything that happened uh, in there. And that's not a fear that they have to. But when your staff are afraid to work, it's very difficult to get to that next level and it's a very slow road. And I've noticed that uh, since I left the government service and gotten into more of the private sector jobs, that's a real problem out here. And most businesses are facing this each and every day that their staff are very afraid of failure and being let go. And so you've got to be able to override yeah. that, especially in these times when the economy is not maybe where it should be. Mm -hmm. um, and people are worried about their families and those types of things. So you have to work at that. But then, so, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna, I was gonna have a follow-up question though. When you, when you're talking about those people whom you're, you're trying to groom, obviously you're dealing with 
you deal with a lot of people who are technical and some of those things you have to groom them for are non-technical things for them to move up because yeah uh, you know, i have some great friends who who, who can mm-hmm. do some amazing things but even doing what we're doing right here right is anathema to them so talk can you just illustrate a little bit about that and i i don't i don't want to derail the conversation too much but yeah uh so so uniquely uh in my style like when i used to have to go to washington and I might have to give a presentation to Congress or any one of those people or to the executive leadership of the agency, any of those kind of things. I always took one or two of my staff with me. And I always let them present a piece also. Mm. And I got them used to being this. Also got their faces out there so people re- would recognize them and promoting them. And uh, I'm not the kind of person that's going to take credit for anything. Uh, if you like what we did, we did this as a team and that's how I always approached it. So it wasn't centered around those kind of things. Very importantly, when I used to have meetings, because as a department head and a department exec, a lot of things come down to me. Why well, didn't keep anything from my staff? And I've noticed that out, uh, in the private sector right now, a lot of people hold that in. And they don't tell their staff what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I'm an open book. And unless it's uh, something that's of a security level that I have to not let my staff know, um, I lay it all out on the table. I put all my cards out there all the time. It's hard to defeat me if all my cards are on the table all the time. And so, uh, what, so, so would it be fair to say, and this is, and this is just it's something that really strikes me here. You're, you're, in in a complimentary way, you're an oddity these days, right? Uh, just as you said that there are CISOs that try to keep everything close to their to their vest, they don't share. It's almost like they this is who their identity is wrapped up into, and if I give away that, then my intellectual capital, my value add back to the company goes away. You're you're quite the opposite. You are. You're confident in your abilities to be able to have a servant's attitude. And by that, I mean, you're very service oriented. You're very mentoring. Um, you're a humble man. Um, and it's almost the opposite of what you see people trying to strive to be the sea level something. Right. Right. I mean, to me, that's refreshing. I wish I wish I could work for you. <laughs> Um, you know, when growing up in my career to be able to learn from somebody who was more of a mentor, because I think it's more of a positive experience. And I always, in my career, sought those out. Right. I always look for the mentors. And I think what you're doing, you, and, and just for our podcast listeners, you're not just doing that for your team either. And I think you've you've not alluded to this, but I'm go, I'm going to call you out on this. You actually go out and mentor other people outside your organization. Oh yes, very much so. So uh, for me, um, I've got people across the United States that uh, call me for advice. Uh, I work with them. Uh, I had a young man uh, out of Pensacola, Florida, that. Uh, uh, 
I'll, I'll word it this way, but it's probably not this way. He was brave enough to actually reach out to me on LinkedIn. Right. And, and ask me if we could talk. And uh, he was looking for somebody to help him get into the business. And uh, I guess he was totally shocked when I says, okay, do you have a number I can reach you at? <laughs> and he was like, uh, I didn't think I'd get this far. <laughs> right. And once we got on the on the phone call, he had so many questions and, and things, and we've kept up that dialogue for uh, two years now. And wow. uh, so when you look at that av availability uh, and with uh, some of the things that I, I've instructed him with, and even in part of the interview, based on my knowledge of how much we share with each other, uh, he had a lot of experience and I helped him get one of his positions there by giving a good reference. He got the job himself. All I did was help complement his strengths that he had inside nice. of it. And uh, being a hiring person for as many years as I am, it's very easy to uh, kind of groom folks that are just getting into the business, how to get into the business and what, what those things are looking like. Like when I hire somebody, your technical experience is going to come out in the HR application or your resume. Mm -hmm. I may ask you a few questions about technical stuff just to see if you really can do what you said you can do and just to make sure you can. And then when I get into it, I want to see where your curiosity is. What are you, what are you about? If you're just giving me textbook answers, there, there's a place for you. It's called uh, uh, GRC, uh, Governance, Risk, and Compliance. And that's where you do a lot of paperwork. That's where you're going to be. But if I'm looking for somebody in incident response, I, I want that person to be very, very um, inquisitive yeah and, and and curious about everything and wanting me to check out everything the other thing i look for in help, help building this team is diversity i've not met an hr department yet and this is not a cut to all the hr people out there in the world <laughs> they actually recruits yeah all types of different people into security like in, in, in information security, we, we have a very low accountability of women and minorities in this field. Mm -hmm. You have to go out and get them. You have to be able to entertain them. You have to be willing to take that chance and bring folks in that are happy to learn. And I've been able to do that over uh, all of my positions that I've been in to recruit those types of folks, to get them in and get them interested into this. And when I when I say it like that, what I'm trying to do is build a team that once we're all together, we all have a different perspective of how things should actually work. And you need all those points of view in order to make good decisions moving forward. I have changed my mind multiple times because of my team's input. And when they tell me something, I'm like everyone else, I can get stuck on one item or a piece of software or something like that. But I need to hear everybody's point of view of whether this is going to work or not and why it's not going to work and, and those kind of things. So that's important to me. And that's what I strive for. When I look back at my career, like I said before, a lot of people spend a lot of money training me. And in order for me to be effective in the community, I have to do the same for my staff is get them trained, bring them in and uh, get these different points of view. 
So Chuck, as 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 we're kind of coming to the end of a podcast, I have one question for you because okay. I know this always comes up, and I think it's I think it's consistent throughout. Uh, be it um, a small, medium organization, all the way up to the large organizations. One thing that I've noticed in, in my in, in my career is the first budget cut that always happens is training, right? You you've mentioned training. You you, you mentioned mm-hmm. when you look at security, you look at people, process, technology. You focus on the people, rightly so, I think. But how do you? secure that training what's the secret sauce to being able to get your folks trained even during these budget cycles that we're running into these days so one of one of the things i i did is uh there's a company that uh, created a its own little server system and it's now moved to the cloud since then but it's similar to some of the online training programs for certification programs okay. I, bought, I bought the server in, in, when times were good, okay. So the maintenance contract was very limited, and I didn't have to worry about too much uh, with that. But I did more on-site training than sending people away, because typically when you send everyone to these conferences and stuff of that nature, there that eats right. away your training budget very quickly. And okay. So that was one way that I was able to do it. When I was at NASA, it was a little different. NASA's budget cut, cuts come every year. And it, it's a very gruesome time when August, September, and October come around because October is the federal government's fiscal year. And right. typically, they always cut your budget, so you have to cut people. Mm-hmm. I don't do well with that. I don't think that's the plan. I don't yeah. think that's good for anyone except mm-hmm. uh, making it a cutthroat environment. Of, don't get rid of me. Get rid of him. Uh, type of thing. And uh, so what I did was I withheld all training till the summer. Oh, okay. okay. So, so if I had to, <laughs> if I was going to face the budget cut, I usually knew that budget cut in May. Right. So I cut out that piece of the training. I kept all my people <laughs> and um, we worked forward with that. But one of the other thing is how do you grow in that environment? It, so, yeah. Okay, so I, I'm going to tell you how, how we did it. And uh, okay. my contract manager was on board with this, and she was a, a very great person to be around and uh, very understood my point that I didn't like the way things had worked for the last 10 years. And um, what we did was when some of the uh, higher paid employees took other jobs and moved on, instead of replacing them with someone with that same skill set, we brought in two interns that had two different skill sets. So I doubled my staff in four years. In there. And my goodness alive, do you know that uh, yeah. the upper, the upper uh, echelon is standing there shaking their head like, how did you do this? You didn't ask permission. <laughs> you didn't do this. You didn't do that. And I, and I laughed and I says, did I do anything wrong? Because no, it all worked. <laughs> And we were able to grow. So that was unique to them. So now you get out here into, let's say, the college college environment or higher education. How do do you grow this when there's low budgets, low this, low that, low everything? So you can sit and whine about it and sit here and twiddle your thumbs and 
figure that or you, you figure it out. So I, I moved on to take on all of the community colleges in the state of Texas. And since we just became uh, under what's called the Texas Administra Administrative Code 202 just a few years ago, we have to come up to the same standards of all as all state right. agencies. Difference is you have state agencies and you have K-12. Both of those have funding sources. Guess where the community college sits? Nowhere. <laughs> so how do you get all that? So you start developing uh, things. We I've done partnerships with other federal agencies to get either free or low cost um, opportunities mm -hmm. from them, and also work heavily with the state Department of Information Resources uh, to come in contact with some of their activities and things that they're doing. But when you explain what you're trying to do, remember all the cards on the table? Mm -hmm. Guess what? I do. All those people above you say, wow, this guy really means what he says. And so they're willing to help wherever they can to get you what you need to be able to do all of these things and do that. So in essence, my role is to give back to the community now that I'm, um, as I've said once or twice before, this is my fourth retirement job. Uh, <laughs> when will I really retire? I'm not really sure when I might do that. But right. I love doing what I'm doing now, and I love helping and uh, people get to a, a safe environment where they don't have to worry about, you know, do I have to update my resume because we got attacked or something like this? Once you learn right. those pieces of it and how, how to work it and then develop the staff, if you have all your staff working in, in concert with you, it's not about being popular. It's about them feeling safe in their environment. And if they make a mistake, they're not worried about that's going to be the worst thing in the world. Right. But what I tell them all the time is, tell me like it is. Let me figure it out. That's my role, is to figure out damage control and all those other things that work with it. Let me worry about that piece and you worry about your piece. And uh, I've been able to replicate that a few times. I know we've had a couple mistakes uh, when I was in the Justice Department, and uh, when I got called to the carpet, who did this? Who did this? And I would always say, I did. Mm -hmm. And my boss would just look at me. He says, what do you mean you did? I said, I did that because I either didn't train them well enough. I didn't give them enough instruction. Wow. They had a question. Wow. That I wasn't available to answer it. So if you, if, you, if you need a blame person, that blame person is me. Wow. Love I love it. I love it. Uh, well, before we, before we cut out, I have one more question for Chuck. Chuck go for it. it. You know, there's a lot of people out there in smaller companies. We're dealing, you know, Goliath, uh, Goliath, we're dealing with those companies, trying to help them get to a better security posture. One of the things that I'm finding out is, you know, as you both, you and I both entered into a CISO role at some point. Right. I'm not saying anything about, you know, your, your time and grade here. I'm just saying <laughs> we both entered at some point. What would what advice would you give to that that initial CISO that that person transitioning from the technician manager to a director CISO type of role? It does just a few sentences, you know, just to kick them off. I, I would I I would focus less on the upper echelon and focus on developing your staff. Your reward's going to come from your staff and how well they like working for you. When I worked for DOJ. 
they do a care institutional character profile. We had the highest morale rating of any department at the site, not by one or two points, by 30 or 40 points. Wow. Bravo. That, Bravo. That, that says a lot right there. So focus on your staff and then develop your network of people to reach out to because it's very difficult to be in a position and have nobody to reach out and ask advice from. So uh, and I've never met a group of uh, CISOs like we have in the Houston area that aren't willing to try to help you if you ask. That's, I think I think those are great, great takeaways and a great way to, to kind of wrap this up because we often focus on tools or, or the processes. The important thing is the people. And I think, Chuck, you, you, you bring that right back to say, invest in your team, be accessible, allow them to fail because those are some of the best lessons you can learn, but be there to cover for them too and help them recover. I think that is tremendous. And to me, that's leadership, being able to mentor. And it's, it's a very unique men, uh, way of mentoring and, and being a leader. I think it's far more of those type of leaders, that characteristic needed in this industry more than ever, I think. Um, and it, you've probably seen those management triangles where you, you've seen the triangle going up and that's where the sea level is. You're, you very much live the upside down triangle where your customer is your team, is your people. And it shows, and, it, and, it, and it's, uh, I applaud that, I appreciate that. And I wanted to share your story with Angelo because I think um, you're a pleasure to work with. Uh, we've, we've worked with you in the past. We've, we have great conversations, but I think our podcast viewers need to, need to hear how to do it right how to do it in a survivable manner and, and, a, and, a, and an edifying manner to your team. So thank you for, for joining us today. Um, and, as, and as we're Goliath, of course, um, we are always at the ready to help uh, in, in any type of capacity. And certainly Angelo is, is uh, our head of uh, the executive services where if you don't know where to start and you can't get a hold of Chuck, Certainly, Angelo uh, uh, shares a lot of that, uh, a lot of that DNA as as Chuck does. Um, give him a call, tap into tap into this expertise because doing it right matters. Making it an investment in your people matters, and this I think is something that Chuck really brought to light today. So thank you once again, Chuck, uh, for for doing that. If you need to get a hold of Chuck or want to get uh, more information. You know, visit our webpage. We'll we'll put some links out there to make sure that uh, um, uh, that we give you the resources that you need to be successful in your endeavors. Uh, Angela, do you have any uh, as your champion of the quote? <laughs> do you have any last parting <laughs> my, quote for us? Yes, my my stolen and often uh, used quote is uh, is like I'd like to say: complexity is the enemy of security. You got to understand right. what. You got to understand what you're doing. You got to understand what you're seeing to be able to, to actually secure it. There you go. Now, folks, thanks again for visiting us in the Cyber Insanity. Uh, I'm Andrew Bracuda. That's Angelo Longa. And thanks to our guest, Chuck Layton. Remember, the best security device resides between our ears. Take care.